I'd like to say that it's great to join together in communion, but it's a bit strange, really, uh, meeting with one another across technology and not in communion, not in community. As we come together today, we find ourselves separated, scattered into our various homes. And I think it's useful for us as we reflect uh, at communion time now, it's useful for us to mourn the loss of our community, to mourn the loss of meeting together to eat this meal. And yet as we meet together on Good Friday in this way, we remember that the point of this meal, the real um, idea represented here, is the death of the Lord Jesus Christ, the same event that we celebrate this Good Friday. The Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 23 onwards, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. You see, what the Apostle Paul is saying in this passage is that as we meet together for this meal, we do so in remembrance of the Lord Jesus Christ, in remembrance of his death for us on the cross. And as we eat this meal, it says, For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And so whilst we can't meet in community and whilst we should mourn the loss of that, we still eat this meal in proclamation of the Lord's death in proclamation of what is celebrated this Good Friday. And so feel free now to eat and drink the elements in your own family groups. As we do so, let's mourn the loss of community that we experience in this time. But let's also remember what the Lord Jesus Christ did for us. Let's proclaim the Lord's death once more through this table until he comes. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for this table through which we celebrate, through which we proclaim the Lord's death. Father, we give you thanks on this Good Friday that you sent the Lord Jesus Christ to die for our sins so that we might be forgiven. Lord, as we celebrate this meal scattered, help us to uh, mourn the loss of community that we experience in this time. But Lord, help us bring to mind afresh for us that this table is about remembrance. It's about remembering the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. May we all reflect on that afresh. May we be reminded of your grace. And might you be honoured and glorified even as we share in this meal in this way now, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.
The event we commemorate on Good Friday is one of the most important events in the Christian calendar. It is a day when we especially remember that Jesus willingly laid down his life so that we might have life abundant and eternal. It commemorates a day when God shows how much he loves us. In Romans chapter 5 and verse 8, the Apostle Paul tells us this, God demonstrated his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God, in keeping with his plan, which has been unfolding over thousands of years, intervened on behalf of mankind to reconcile him to us, or to reconcile us to him. The crucifixion of Christ is a historical event that clearly demonstrates how much God loves us. Jesus said this, he said, Greater love has no man than he lay down his life for his friends. He said, You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. The cross demonstrates how much God loves the pinnacle of his creation. The creator and sustainer of the universe offers himself up as a sacrificial lamb. The giver of life laid down his life so that we might be made alive in God. Jonathan Edwards, on the 8th of July in 1741, in his sermon, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God, gave a powerful illustration. The illustration goes something like this. There was a massive dam built in the mountains and held millions of megatons of water. And everybody thought this dam was a safe dam. One particular man built his house in the valley below the, van, the, the dam. And as a result, uh, he lived his life there in oblivion, really, of what might happen if that dam was ever breached. And then one day the dam was breached. There was an earthquake and the dam was breached and the water began to flow. And there were these megatons of water streaming down through the valley with this puny little ant-like man standing there looking up at this wall of water coming towards him with nowhere to go. The illustration goes like this, that before the water reached him, the earth opened up and that all the water from the dam was swallowed up by the earth. And that goes to illustrate what happened at the cross. The wrath of God was stored up against mankind. And when that dam broke, it broke and Jesus took the pain of that awful, awful wrath of God upon himself. He swallowed up the pain, as it were, on the cross. The Bible says that he bore the wrath of God against sin so that his enemies 
could be brought into his family. God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them. He bore the wrath of God so that we could receive mercy and grace. Such is the love of God for us. Since the fall of mankind through Adam's disobedience, there's been the great gulf fixed between man and God, which could not be bridged by human effort. But Jesus' work on the cross bridged that gulf and made it possible for us to have peace with God. In Colossians chapter 1 and verse 20, we read, And by him to reconcile all things to himself, by him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. My peace I give to you, Jesus said. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 4 and 5 says that God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Well, what should be our response to this ultimate sacrifice? Jesus said, If anyone comes after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. Easter 2020 is a challenging time in Australia. Firstly, I believe we should respond by trusting the sovereign God. The one who knows the beginning from the end and who has promised to walk with us even in the valley of the shadow of death. Listen to the reassuring voice of God when he says, Be still and know that I am God. Secondly, we should be strong and reassuring for those who are fearful, encouraging them to trust the unchanging, dependable and faithful, loving God at this time of great uncertainty. And then thirdly, we need to reach out to those affected by the upheaval and show the love of God in practical ways. Many will lose the things that they've been relying on and they will be shattered by that and they will be relying on physical and, and uh, monetary things to be able to get through life. And yet here we see that all threatened and their mental stability can even be threatened at this time. They will need to know that God loves them and that they come to him and he will accept them and care for them. Some will lose loved ones and will need to be comforted. Some may suffer abuse and need to be rescued. Some may lose everything and become suicidal. Some will realise the vulnerability of humanity and will seek answers only Christ can give them through you. How will you demonstrate that you love God and that you love your neighbour this Easter. 
May God grant us grace to serve at this special time of the year.